Hey listeners, today we have a very special episode for you. There's been a recent paper on the top 10 open challenges in LLM research that has consolidated a lot of intense debate. Today, we're going to talk about RWKV models, receptance-weighted key-value models, with Eugene Chia, who is both part of the core RWKV team, CTO of a low-code AI test automation platform, and active member of the Latent Space Discord. The RWKV architecture has the potential to solve three of the top 10 open LLM challenges, increasing context length, making LLMs faster and cheaper, and designing a new model architecture. What is particularly appealing about it is that it does so by reviving the recurrent neural network, which even I have argued has been obsoleted by the transformer. It rejects the idea that attention is all you need and replaces multi-head attention and feed-forward networks with new concepts called a time mix and channel mix, respectively. It has been trained up to 14 billion parameters, they're getting help from Eleuther and Stability AI to scale up even more, and shows competitive results on reasoning benchmarks, the same benchmarks we covered in our Benchmarks 101 episode, with similar size models, yet with linear costs and speed curves instead of quadratic ones. In a way, RWKV are promising the room temperature superconductor of LLM architectures. In other words, the parallelizability and performance of transformers without the quadratic cost. Obviously, the topic of what happens after the transformer is in the finance terminology, what we call a low delta outcome. It's probably not going to happen, but if it does, it will be very, very big. We even discussed this a little bit in our episode with Jonathan Frankel of Mosaic ML. But since the RWKV paper was published, the idea has been somewhat independently validated with Microsoft Research putting out the RETNet, or the Retentive Network, which has similar veins of what it's trying to do. And it also, of course, competes with other alternatives to the transformer, like the state space models coming out of Chris Ray's group at Stanford, S4, H3, and a Monarch Mixer that was recently announced. However, RWKV is so far the most validated of all these ideas because it is already trained up to 14 billion parameters with multiple models that you can download and generate text with today. As podcasters, we want to be the first place that you hear about new things in AI that you'll be using in work or personal life as AI engineers and enjoyers. So this presents us with a problem. We have to be early on consequential topics and things, but also high signal. Some of our favorite compliments so far, which, by the way, I've added to our About page if you want to check that. Your pods are a legitimate highlight of life for me. They're amazing, from McKay Wrigley. And from the AI Safety Memes Twitter account, which is always fun, they just simply said, we're the highest signal pod for them. So we're very proud of this and want to keep it up while taking risks, because even though we crossed a quarter million downloads just five months into the podcast, we're still very young and trying to figure out what kind of podcast we want to be and what kind of audience we want to have. Today is going to be one of the riskier pods for a few reasons. One, it is the first pod we're doing on a non-traditional architecture with no large Western institutional backing. Two, it is the first pod we recorded outside of the US without a regular studio, so the audio is not as good. And three, finally, it is the first pod we're doing with my Singaporean accent. I'll address each of these in turn. One, there's a significant institutional bias in Western media coverage when it comes to AI, in that if you don't come from Stanford or Oxford, or you don't work at Google or Facebook, your ideas have trouble getting attention. However, by far, the most admired organization that our guests have repeatedly mentioned is Eleuther AI, which spun up as a decentralized Discord community that independently trained the first GPT-class LLMs without a prestigious background. Eleuther has since spun off organizations like Stability AI and Conjecture, but I suspect that the RWKV community is working like the early days of Eleuther, and we have a rare opportunity to capture an oral history of it live rather than two years after the fact. Two, part of the latent space magic is that we try to get to know our guests and be in person with them to establish rapport, like we did in New York in our Notion AI episode with Linus Lee. Despite the lower audio quality, I think we got a much better interview with Eugene because we were able to interact with each other in person. 
three, part of the joy of audio is that you get to hear the full diversity of humanity. And neither Alessio or I are American, and I like to showcase the broader world through our AI lens whenever we can. As you'll see, the RWKV story is also about the non-English rest of the world, self-organizing to build the LLMs that the English-centric West has neglected, and doing so relatively successfully. We've aggressively edited this interview down to one hour for the audio podcast, but for those who are interested in RWKV, head over to the new Latent Space TV YouTube channel, which has the full two-hour interview, including a screen share walkthrough the RWKV models, paper, and Discord, as well as digressions on Eugene's background, discussions on diffusion models and the token crisis, and the relationship between open source AI and the AI waifu Hasbando community. I hope you enjoy our conversation with Eugene Chia of RWKV, and if you liked it, reach out to him at PicoCreator on Discord or on Twitter and let him know. Okay, so I'm here with Eugene, we are in Singapore. We this is the first time I'm podcasting in Singapore. This is the first time I'm podcasting with my Singaporean accent. Eugene has been a very valued part of our latent space Discord for a while, mm-hmm. and also diving deep onto RWKV. I think you're actually the first person that brought it to my attention as like a potential Transformers alternative. You're also CTO of UILicious, mm-hmm. which is a UI testing company that's in Singapore here, which is a local platform. I got the first demo maybe four years ago. Yes. And I was like, okay, fine, you know, you're doing testing. There wasn't an obvious AI angle. I mean, now that you explained it, it was great. But like, what was your personal, like, okay, I'm going to be the dedicated AI guy for UILicious? Oh, I think because for the most part, we knew that... Okay, so one of the things, one of the things that I found very interesting with the huge... Transformer boom right now, right? Is that, is that traditionally, right? Traditionally, right? And I think I have an article on this. Also, is that, is that like when you tell companies that you need when you want to build your own AI, you need a really large data set. And over time, actually, the amount of data sets that you need is actually scaled down because you can just now find foundation model. Yeah, find your foundation models. And and when we started new initiatives, we always knew at that time because a lot of our com- other companies that were launched at the same time were dealing with neural networks that at some point the data that uh, we've been collecting data on let's say how to do testing website it's just a very specific focus basically every single test that has run on our platform unless our cl- customer has opt out or delete their account uh, basically privacy related stuff we actually still retain the test data mm-hmm. and that's something that, uh, that we always felt that was useful in the long run to be able to actually build a huge training model the irony of that was that even though we were building all those data sets, as, as the threshold came in and, tra- and the transformer boom happened, we realized we don't actually need that big of a data set anymore to actually right. get a functional AI. One of the key insights, especially for people who is like trying to build on top of transformer models, yeah. pre-transformer large language models is, is we would we always be thinking of like in terms of like 100 gigabytes of data, one right. gigabyte of data, right. like millions and multi-million dollar, uh, millions of record for all the different examples. Post-transformer, it's literally, you probably need only like a thousand or ten thousand, enough like data that you can literally get an intern a few weeks right. to just get it done. And you have a working model. It may not be that great, but frankly, every piece of data you add after that is a, is a diminishing sure. um, returns. And because it's, it's a language model, it doesn't actually have any inherent understanding that it is automating the browser. Yeah. So, so it, it's presented as like a prompt answer pair. Like question answer Correct. there. Yeah. So so typically so for at least for the, our internal model that our users are using is it's presented as here's the prompt describe your test or what you want to modify the code and then subsequently generate the code for you and hindsight is now basically copilot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think now copilot is adding that chat 
widget. Are they fully launched yet? Yes, I actually downloaded it yesterday. I haven't actually used it yet, but it, it is a separate VS Code extension. So there, now there, there are now three Copilot extensions shipped by GitHub because they have shipped their org chart. I'm quite friendly with that team, but it's very funny. But just to come back to you, so did you implement this with GPT-3? So we based it off the Salesforce code gen model. Okay, right. So that was the foundation model that we built on top. We are looking into replacing it in part, but that becomes a longer conversation. Cogen being the first really credible, open source, code-specific language model Correct. that was released by literally anyone, I think about three years ago. Uh, yeah. And then they recently released Cogen 2. Correct. Any opinions on Cogen 2 and just while we're, while we're on this topic? I actually think, no, so in terms of like Cogen, one big appeal for the Cogen and even Cogen 2 model is that Salesforce took a very clear and clean approach to the licensing. Meaning they were very, very clear that everything that they trained on was open source. Yeah. MIT, yeah. they, did it, they, did, they didn't touch the, the problematic licenses. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and I, you can imagine... And you, you think that Copilot did? Knowing Microsoft's statement on how liberal they were about GitHub data, and uh -huh. they were saying, they used the term that it's under fair use. I see. Yeah, I, okay. I, I have no reason to believe that they didn't. Right. But yeah. this same problem happens to actually a lot of existing code gen models. And, and that was actually the main appeal for me for running, for actually building on top of the Salesforce code gen model. Mostly also because like, like for us, we deploy on-premise into enterprises yeah. in Europe. And they ask questions. <laughs> right. So what, what, what does this deploy on-premise mean? Like you, you, you pack UI licenses into a container and yeah. you, you give it to them? Yeah. And then you, they, it's like a license fee or something? Correct. Okay, cool. That's very interesting. Yeah, okay. I, I don't know if I have any other questions on, based on that. Anything else before we go into alternate, like the reasons for alternative models? Okay, so, so I, anything else do I have there? No, I don't really have much. Eh? For alternative models, so yeah. So let, let me just set the premise, right? Like mm. uh, Transformers have won <laughs> for now. <laughs> they have slid the neural networks. Yes. And, you know, it, it, it seems like you have had a history since with machine learning, since before Transformers. And now they're, they're at kind of like the peak of their power. And I, I see that, you know, there's, there's a desire for alternative models for a number of reasons. But I'm, try, I'm very curious as to what drives your personal interest in alternative models. Uh, so, so first things first, to be clear, majority of AI is still based on Trendhall, at least within my company. Yes. But what drove me into alternatives beyond Transformer, in essence, once we actually managed to get our bot to generate UI testing code, the most obvious next thing that our customers started asking, hey, this, let's say the test failed. Can your AI now analyze my website and then tell me what's wrong and tell me what to change? Okay. <laughs> basically, basically, they're getting lazy and lazy. And that's to be accurate. Humans are very good at moving goalposts. And we had something working for toy websites. But the one thing that we do and internally is that we look at the, I think what was the list? Top 100, top 1,000 websites. Okay. And we basically just run, or we actually do run our, our test platform against it to see, make sure that our code works against like any front-end platform. Well, what do you mean run your test platform, right? Because you don't have tests for them. Uh, yeah, we have some very rudimentary Rud basic tests. Okay. Like okay. go to website, see something, click something, add to cart. Okay. Yeah, that's it. I see. The, the idea is more of like, because there's so many frameworks out there. and our, You just want to make sure you cover all of them. Yeah. And so we did the same thing for our AI. And the first thing that it, it died on was literally Amazon. <laughs> Why? Oh, five megabytes. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think you heard me mention it. So, so it, uh, when you are trying to analyze a website, we've been talking about increasing token count size, right? But 
For e-commerce websites in particular, even if you strip off the CSS, even if you strip off the JavaScript, having the entire HTML in megabyte size is not unheard of. Yep. And that's where it's like, how am I supposed to solve this in terms of an AI point uh, of view? How, how many tokens would that be? Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you could easily be looking at over a million tokens. I see. But Which is still too much even for today. Yeah. Did you look into making your own tokenizer? That's some. That's something that we explored. We, I think what we found more realistic was to actually pass the HTML into a more token-friendly format. Yeah, right. So this way, this way we can still build on top of the existing models. But yeah, we, we are exploring that as well. But, but back to the alternative. Lah. So like the key things for me and, and was at that point, and, and subsequently I think I showed you like the experiments with like English compiler and things like that, right? AI agents generating code. You also have your own small there. Was that, was that the context size is a real problem and transformer inherently by its nature, at least vanilla transformer, I know there's transformer XL and some other attempts, is that it quadrat quadratically scales with the context size. Mm -hmm. so, we, so if we scale to like, let's say 100,000, that's already requiring a shit ton of compute and VRAM and I don't even want to imagine what happens to one million or ten million, and and that's that's where I I needed. I was like, okay, this is a fundamental problem that needs to be changed. If not, we will not go past this. And I think there's also now like a lot of people who are very interested in like models that can handle large context size because they also want it to be able to use in use cases where they never never need to fine tune because fine tuning is a pain apparently. Yes, that's it. Okay, well, there, there's, there's, there's issues with just throwing everything in context, right? Like yeah. the, it's shown that retrieval is only best when the, the item that's relevant is in, in front or in the, at the back of the context window. So it's, basically, I'm just like, maybe we've just tapped out. Context is working memory, and maybe it's like, maybe transformers are very similar to humans in that our working memory is only of a given size. If you try to artificially extend it, you just, have, you just make it very lossy. Yeah. So... So, so that's where I ended up landing on the RWKV model because in that sense, right? So, so you, one thing that I always found very weird for transformers, but uh, I mean, it's by design, is as you infer each token, you are, you will recomputing everything up, right? Mm -hmm. That's the quadratic part. And, and, and well, well, you, well, you're mentioning about the working memory problem. In theory, with enough attention hits on it, mm -hmm. and, and, and people seem to be trying to cram more and more attention hits into the process, it could scale that way. Ignoring compute costs. Okay. And yeah, ignoring compute costs is like just like a very liberal, let's just throw as much h one hundred. it doesn't make sense. But, but RKV was, is still was fundamentally a neural network at its core. It ends up scaling linearly as it goes through the tokens. It also it will still suffer from the memory issue, so so in so like within the RBK, we, we do we do like measure two separate things. So like one we call it the perfect memory. So in the model will have only a certain amount of capacity where it can remember things perfectly, just like humans. <laughs> and then there will be then beyond that that is where it will start to discard things from its perfect memory. Right. And and I felt that this was actually a lot more in line with our goals and commercially and also what I felt was that was more useful in the long run because it's cheaper compute and it could be potentially paralyzable for a very long run. Right. 
So we're going to go into our other UKV paper in a, in a bit. But one thing I wanted to ask, you kind of glossed over how you found it in the first place. Oh, how because you're not a researcher. You're not like, it's, I, don't, I don't imagine you're like reading papers every day or something. Until um, recently. <laughs> until recently. How do you find it? How do I find it? And how do you know like this is the one to bet on versus uh, there's a bunch of other alternatives, right? I think what was quick, I think it was rather quick after I concluded that Transformer as it is will not scale to 10 million tokens. Okay. And, uh, and so, by the way, you, you mentioned Transformers XL. Yeah. Uh, we also did a, a episode on Flash Attention, which, right. which helps to make part of it sublinear at least. Yeah, but that is like way, way after I already dived into right. other So history-wise, at that point in time, Transformer X, we are talking about like the, the when 4K was the limit that everyone knew. <laughs> right. And this was last year. I mean, yeah. just to set context. Okay. Okay, and then, yeah, so so and you just kind of were searching around, you found our, our, our WKV, presumably, like, did you do you go straight into the Discord? Was it, like, primarily a GitHub repo? Like, what was it? Because as far as I can tell, there was no paper until maybe about two months ago. Oh, and I, pre- and I talked about it before the paper, right? Yes, <laughs> so you found it before they did any publicity, mm. which is weird. It's not normal. Fair so enough. So what, what happened? What did you do? So, uh, what I did, okay, so it was basically, I, I believe, okay, so it, it's a mixture of things because it's like, be it, I was searching be it GitHub, I was searching like for forums, other discords, and also like blogs actually. I was just like getting all the, because yeah, yeah. everyone was just creating lists of lists, right? Yeah, yeah. And, just, and I believe you also have a list of lists somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but mine is very, so I would consider myself very trad mm-hmm. in the sense that I, I would just follow the large model labs. Whereas the kind of list that you have to follow in order to get to something like RWKV before they've done any publicity is the non-trad, like, you know, the kind of people that is now working ah, on Luz okay. Hermes, Wizard, you know, that like no credentials. I don't even know who the hell they are, but they're just working on it. <laughs> oh, this is all for game memory. And I might be hallucinating this because <laughs> there was too many lists. But I believe the list that actually what brought me to RWKV was that beyond OpenAI's model and... And uh, beyond ChatGPT and Claudia, the, the two big models, right? Outside of the English-speaking nations, right? A lot of the open-source models really fall flat. Mm-hmm. And that is why when you actually go through like lists or art for like doing things with, in other languages, mm-hmm. RWKB actually stood out at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. And just on the basic premise, and, and we're not even talking about architectural advantage. It's just the basic premise that they imported the data set. <laughs> in other languages, in the training data. Yeah. And... Was and that a... Because, I mean, I, I imagine 99% of your customers are English. Yeah. Was that really a driver for you? It wasn't you, a driver, you but to explain it. Yeah, like that's how I landed onto, like, all these okay. blogs and go. And can you say, when you say fall flat, the main one that I know about is there's a tokenizer penalty for non-English. Yeah, right? that's like, that. Right, so, like, ch- Chinese is up to... Chinese or Japanese or Thai or something like It's, like, 16 times the number of tokens... For a typical English sentence. Yeah, but even before that, right? Because, I mean, yeah, I think you understand, like, co- a lot of community users, they want to not use the commercial APIs. Okay. So they try to find open source models. Yes. And we'll talk about the not safe for work people. <laughs> we, yeah. I really want, because you've actually talked to them. I have never talked to these okay. people. But, like, when I f- discovered them, they are, it's a huge community. They're extremely passionate. And they're actually really? good. Yeah, they're, they're really, really good. They're good at this. So let's talk about that, right? Yeah. But yeah, we can talk about it later. Yeah. So so they don't want to use the commercial models. 
and they want to use the open source model. And it, there is a tokenizer penalty, which is true. But I think on the more fundamental basis, right, if you look through the data sets, and, and this is also partially inferred because the way we set up our evals, all our evals are written in English. Mm-hmm. And at least for the majority of them. And if we are racing towards building AI models, at least right now, yes, you see all the companies as they build their open source model, and they just want to narrowly focus on the evals, adding in a foreign data set is actually a loss because as you, once you are below a certain param count, so we're talking Listen. about 7 and 14, Listen. right? Yeah. The more you add that's not in line with your evals, the more it will degrade. And, yep. Yep. and they just exclude it. Yeah. So the model the, the priority is English. Yeah. yeah. I get it. The, the model just fundamentally didn't support. Wait, so what's the trade-off? Like, I mean, okay, so English and Chinese or you know, there's there's all these other languages. What do you pick? Like So so RWKV started with started with also, also in context, the main person leading the RWKV project, Bling, is from China. So he naturally has an interest to make sure it supports Chinese. Of course. Yeah. So English. And, and there are a fair amount of bilingual models, especially right. that are English and Chinese from the major universities in China. So, so we started from basically English, Chinese, Japanese, Korean. Frankly, this is large part mostly because there were fans in those communities uh-huh. that came on board, and then and then subsequently we try to onboard other languages as well. Yeah. But these people are like again not researchers. Nope. No money. Like nope. training on like their home GPU lab or whatever, right? Partially true, but what, so how I see it works out for a lot of the other languages was that we have the foundation model, and this is the <coughs> this is the foundation model where we just kind of say evolves be them. Let's just make sure to include all the other languages. Okay. <laughs> and 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 when we included the other languages, right, the model works for most parts mm-hmm. uh, for the other language. Subsequently, these individuals. Who wanted to use their, these models in for their respective use cases? We will then fine tune respectively, mm. because it's easier to fine tune in another language for your use case than to, I mean this is classic fine tuning than yeah, yeah. than to train the language from scratch. Okay, and I think more recently, and this model is not hundred percent trained yet. Uh, more recently, we RWKV has released the what we call the world model, where where we go the next step of even including all the translation data sets that we can find, even for minority languages that people end in our Discord. Because the goal for them, the goal, the long-term goal for us, at least internally, is that we wanted an AI model for everyone. And everyone does not mean USA. It means the world. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> so there are a lot of languages in there. Well, is it a is it Asia biased or you know, I Give me a sense of like it's probably no offense, it's probably still gonna be US biased in terms of like knowledge. Okay. Because what we are doing is still power regime red pajamas for the knowledge. Okay. But in terms of language, we add all the other languages, wiki and translation set. So it's hard I mean we haven't fully evaluated the bias yet, but I'm quite sure that when disproportionately knowledge is still within the English universe, there's the the bias is there. But frankly, we are still at the stage where can support the other languages. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I think I mentioned this, 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 this one of the interesting parallels that, that sometimes I have, right, is that I can be in the, I can see in the Illusion forums and all that, and then we're talking about alignment, and, and like we're talking about it in very Which big is, yeah, very keen on safety and all that, which is great, but like, it's not your goal as, as yeah. the RWKB community. Yeah, and, and when, when you talk to like members of the community that came on board, they're like, oh, I want to get this to work for 
Korean, Japanese, Thai, Arabic languages, and, and so on and so forth. They just want something that worked. Yes. They don't want it to be, they, they are not after the big model that does everything. They just want something that they can play with in their language. And that was very important to them. Yeah. And these are literally just hackers doing it for personal enjoyment. Correct. N- not yet for work. Yeah. Or maybe some of them for work. You don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the whole character AI category, there's quite a number of them using it for, for that. So, so professionally. Professionally. Okay. As in, they, they run character companies. That's yeah. Let's call it. Should we pause here and then I'll switch to the screen? Sure, sure. Okay. All right, so we have it pulled up. We are going to screen share for the bulk of this. So if you're listening on audio, it might be a good time to switch to the YouTube channel. So we're just going to start with an intro. What is RWKV? So RWKV is a modern recursive neural network with transformer-like level of LLM performance, which can be trained in a transformer mode. And this part has already been benchmarked against GPT Neo X in the paper and it has similar training performance compared to transformer models of the same data set and parent count. So specifically the GPT Neo X model. So the the key thing is that even though it's matching in performance while trading blow trading blows with GPT Neo X, it's doing all this without attention layers. And in the process, right, it's actually having a much substantially lower compute based on its design. And also because it's a neural network, which we'll dive into later why, why that's substantially lower in both training and inference. And this is back to like I mentioned previously, transformer, at least traditionally transformer until until we found out about transformer XL and things like that, tends to scale quadratically based on the context size. And this applies not just in inference, but in training. Mm-hmm. And due to how to like due to how this is still a neural network in its heart, even though it can train like a transformer, it's able to do so much more efficiently and faster. Especially like when you hit context size of 8K, 16K and above. And and once you do like quadratic and linear, the differences start to like go of course crazy once you, once you scale the numbers up. And that was the main benefits of the RWKV model, per se. There were a few prominent researchers when they actually reviewed through the RWKV paper when it came out, they did highlight an important question of like, is this like evidence to literally, maybe all that really matters is that we need a large data set and a scalable model. That makes sense, obviously, to some approximation. But you are still using attention? No, we, are, we don't use attention inside. Okay, yeah. Let, can, can, maybe, maybe let's rewind a little bit. Oh, specifically uh, so attention our... as you understood it. Yeah. Okay, tell, tell, tell us more. So, uh, so... We 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 use weighted receptors and, uh, and and if there's any diagrams I should pull up, let me know. Oh, okay. Let's okay. So we are using AFT. So this attention-free transformer and this is this paper was written by. What Apple. the hell is an attention-free transformer? <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is un- this is unusual. Yeah. So we use the weighted retention weights and we compute over it. And in essence, this is like the classic like stacking more layers. Once you do on top of it, like you don't really need. <laughs> Attention. <laughs> Once you have enough weight and layers stacked on it. Okay. I don't know whether we want to go into the deep dive of AFT. Sure. But but the, that's but, interesting. I've never heard of this paper. Yeah. So so this is this is this was written by Apple, and subsequently we integrate at least Blink the the creator RWKV took this took this and applied it to a language model. Mm-hmm. 
and scaled it up. Right. And and that is and that is how how we we landed on RWKB that doesn't use attention. So sometimes within the community we use the word light attention, because what happens is that these layers and and these weights will will still play the role of attention. They will. I was going to say you you end up approximating attention. Exactly. So it ends up like looking at the tokens or parts of the memory and then applying it to the output. Mm. And the key benefits is that, because remember the attention models, the multi-head part, mm-hmm. it will need to scan all the tokens back and forth. Yeah. This removes that requirement. Mm-hmm. And hence, it reduces the overall compute count. Mm-hmm. I might be jumping back and forth a bit, but that's the that's the one of the key essence of the, the WKB segments. Uh, and we call it light tension. I, and this is the part where I will disagree with the RWKB communities in, in some parts. I think that was a bad name. <laughs> nah, whatever. <laughs> because, because it's cute. Why is it a bad name? Mm, because when the RWKB paper came out, right, and then we talk about, like, we use this, and we call it light attention, but by design, it's really nothing like your existing attention head models. And it ended up, like, sidetracking the hacker noon debate on, like, one corner. It's like, no, this is technically attention, approximating attention. Then another mm-hmm. group is like, no, this is not attention. I see. <laughs> and and but I'm like, propose a better name because I have no idea what to call it. <laughs> okay. What else should people know? Maybe we can explain what it what RWK and V stand for. Oh, receptive with the key values. Okay. Yeah. And each of these are like actual things that you model in the code, right? Correct. So so we we can go into that. So which attention historically is a like query key value. Correct. So, 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 do you want to jump straight into the layer architecture? Should we, should we cover something else first? Anything? I mean, we can any anything like high level, right? High level. Okay, there's a seven B, there's a fourteen B, there's, oh, okay, there's, so, there's a score. Okay, so 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 let's. One of the assets or the yeah. the artifacts. Okay, so on a, okay before we go into the nitty gritties of how the layering and everything works, right? On the high level, right? Currently, RWKB architecturally as a model, it can be. What we have already proven is that it can be scaled and trained like a transformer. Mm-hmm. How I do so, we'll cover later. And and this this can be scaled to as many parameters as we want. Currently, what we have is a dominant. Our main models is the 7B model and the 14B model, mm-hmm. which you can find on Hugging Face or respectively our demos. We also have an. There'll be the. There'll be the other KV Raven models. These are also instructionally tuned. Okay, so, so there's world, there's Raven, there's music. Oh okay. my god, there's novel. What what is all this? Okay, so we before we were, the the current main models is RWKV for Raven, the Power and Raven. So this so Power is basically just a Power Plus model. What is it's, Power Plus? I know about Power, but what is Power Plus? Random data sets that the community <laughs> the Power. <laughs> How many tokens worth? We I, I would just say slightly one point. One or one point two times the power. Okay. Yeah. This is not instruction tuned. Okay. And 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 stuff. Yeah. The plus one is typically all the other languages. Okay. Subsequently, Raven are the instruction tuned model. This is the current main complete models. We we subsequently have. And the instruction datasets are from. Typically GPT four, but then we scrub it for every move or the. As a large so yeah, this would be the uncensored. There's there's someone there's some other project that's kind of doing something similar, and they call it uncensored, but really they just scrubbed it as as a large language model stuff. Yeah, so that makes it technically breaking TOS or of open OpenAI, right? Yeah. Okay, but yeah, but that's a, I mean that's a later problem. Listen, frankly, let's be honest. If yeah, if we even if we don't remove it, someone is well, going to remove it. I mean, so there's 
ways around this, yeah. which is you, you get it, you get clean data sets that are not GPT-4. Like, so the one that I typically mention is Yannick Kilcher's Open Assistant. I uh, believe that was included subsequently as well. Yeah. Yeah, obviously all these release orders are all, all over the place. Yeah. Uh, so, so, okay, Raven World. Uh, so Raven is the instruction tune model. Yep. There. And then subsequently, the world model is a new model that we are training. It's not 100% complete yet. Okay. With the focus on a new tokenizer and all the languages. So, so what all we... All the languages. All the languages that we can grab from the internet. All the, all the wikis in all the respective languages. Hmm. Like, what do you mean when you say all languages? 100 languages. Okay, fine. So, 100 languages, it wasn't really a very precise science. We just basically, whatever the, the, the wiki tool that allows us to download the X, X wiki languages, if it works, it's in the set. If it doesn't work, skip. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you, and all the and major prominent Oscar translation sets. So, as you can see, PAL, red pyjamas. Right. What is Oscar? <laughs> Oscar? Oscar is just a common term that we use in, you can just search Oscar in Hugging Face data set, and it just means translations. Okay. So, you can find like English X pairs. Oh, I see. Yeah, all the respective pairs. Okay. Yeah. So and then all ChatGPT data I can find. Okay. So seventy percent English, fifteen percent multilang, fifteen percent code. Is there is there a strong grounding for why fifteen percent code? No. It, it was just it was already there. Yeah. So the, the focus of the world model was not to improve everything else. Okay. It was literally that fifteen percent multilang. We wanted to right. increase. It was, it was English and code, and then you just added multilang. Yeah, we had. Baby or multi-line, but we wanted to bump it up. Right. So, so this this is primarily English? Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Right. What I would like is like basically like a visual of like here's all the building blocks and here's how they combine to, to create all these things. Ah, so 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 the if, so we have the RWKV architecture code. Yeah. So that's the main model building block. And basically we feed it the data. Power plus, red pyjama, then subsequently some of the code code data. For the world model, we subsequently add on top of that all the translation Oscar sets and so on. And so you're training these things. You've mentioned that you're intentionally taking a hit on evals, on traditional evals like MLU or whatever. I wouldn't say intentionally. And also to clarify, like, I'm not training it. Yeah. I'm just part of the community. Of course. The, co uh, the community and Blink is the one training it. But I would say it's more of like the lack of care for the evals. So we, the reason why we add things to the data set was never about improving evals. It's about directly in response to user feedback. So, like, oh, not good enough at this. So, like, okay, just touch, touch yes, it Yes, literally yeah. along those lines. And so, so, so take, take for example, right, like within, within for, even for Raven and the world model, as we go through the training stages, right, we, we specifically ask people in other nationalities within our Discord community to test it for their language. And our, our rule that we set is that, our informal rule is that, the only person who can decide if whether this improved world model is better in Japanese or Thai or whatever it is, is a native speaker. Yeah. Where where does it take place? So it's mostly in within a linguistic sense, but sometimes we do a shout out in general as well. Okay, linguistics. Okay. So why don't so do you have like a appointed ambassador? Like you have a hundred languages. Yeah. Do you, you just have like a, a czar of Japanese, a czar of Thai. It's not so pointed. It's more of like, hey, this is the Japanese model. Please try. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not. But there's no the Japanese model. There's there's oh, one model. There's there's uh, the world model. So if you go to world model, I don't know whether it's inside here. No four. Sorry. Five. Sorry. Five is. We should never put five on top because five is ex fully experimental. Okay. So under files and uh, files and versions. 
I see, I see, I see. I see. So, I see. so there's, you see, there's a Japanese specific tune, yeah. uh, Chinese, Chinese tune, Arabic tune. Then for all the other smaller languages, we actually ask them from the base world model. Yeah. A bit itself. So, so the feedback on that. So we actually released previously like 10% train, 15%, 20%, like as it goes through the stages and then it's like, hey, is this working? Yeah. Is it regressing? So it's like evolves, but <laughs> real, real done, by, done by real humans and yeah. not, not systematically. Is there a reason that you release, you also, re so you mentioned 7B, 14, 14B, but I see also 0.1B, 0.4B, 3B, 1.5B, like what, is, is that useful for people or yeah. is so, it just for research? Or? 0 0.1 and 0 0.4 is frankly more for research but some people do try to make use of them nothing stopping them well i mean it's, it's extra like these are just different architectures different dimensions yeah so it's actually extra cost to you to provide these things oh but specifically for the world model what ha because we are trying a new tokenizer we are and and the reason why we, we're trying a new tokenizer is that as as, as i think i'm is that one thing that we found more like I found surprisingly frustrating in the existing tokenizer was that it was very English centric. And the existing tokenizer you took from GPT Neo. Yeah. Okay. And just to I need to backtrack a little bit just for people who are not following along. GPT J was the original Luther reproduction of GPT three, mm -hmm. and then GPT Neo was the bigger GPT J. Yeah, you can pretty much twenty B, something like that. Yeah, I do believe they have a twenty B model. Okay. And. There's actually for do I mean for those outside of the open source yeah. space in particular for the transformer, I think one thing significant for GPT Neo X was that it was one of the major models that had everything fully documented and they like why they make this change in the architecture and so on and so forth, mm. and that became like a basically reference notes for all other subsequent open source models because they were the early ones that were were like. Make, doing a good transformer model, yeah, and at least for the for for large language model. So GPT two was actually open source. You didn't people didn't find that useful. No, people do find do reference it as well, but it's like the code is there, uh -huh. and why did you do this? Oh, I see. <laughs> it's not documented. I see. Yeah, I see, I see, yeah, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in that sense, was OPT from Facebook useful? Because I, I've heard very good things about the logbook of OPT, mm -hmm. where they, they had the daily logbook and they just published that. Yeah, those were useful as well. Yeah, okay. The, I think one thing that NeoX had going for it, especially the Illuter community, is that it, it's not just logbook, it's just like, you could just go to Discord, hey, why do you do this? <laughs> right. And the person who trained it will tell you. Yep, someone there hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. hopefully. One of them. So that's why we had the 0 0.1 and 0 0.4 models, because we, we were just in un uncharted waters here. We So like a lot of existing tokenizer took space as a major delimiter to detect and split. Mm -hmm. And the tokenizer we are using is actually a, a lot more simplified. So existing tokenizers, they, I mean, they scan all the tags, they do a statistic model of like what, what, what pairs well with what and so on and so forth, right? We did a similar approach, but we, instead of using like this token pairs well with this and should be paired with that, we just made it a, a, a trial list. So, so basically, we tree, find the try, try to the yeah. data structure. Yeah, correct. Okay. So we just find the longest matching string, uh -huh. in that matching string that we have trained inside our token list, uh -huh. and then we just use it as a token. It's a drastically simplified tokenizer, and it doesn't use spaces as an assumption, which I know, which I, is good. Yeah, 
and that helps a lot of the Japanese, Chinese, and oh. character models because they don't have spaces. Mm-hmm. And I would even and I I would even argue to fair say like if you look at like like the really large models like be it OpenAI or Claudia, right? Tokenizers are not really a thing. I mean, the, in the sense that the model can work even if you tell it character by character. It's maybe inefficient. Did someone tried? I mean, there was that, that jailbreak where, you know, the system prompt you put the character, then enter, 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 enter. Do you remember that jailbreak? No, I didn't see that one. Yeah, so so you can literally, like, instead of, like, left to right, you can literally up to down. Okay. And you're just eating tokens for, for every character. No, actually, you're eating two because there's also the new line. <laughs> and, and, and the model understood it. Because there's enough dumb data on the internet that it has learned how to deal with this kind of formatting. Got it. Okay. And if these models are already understanding things at the character level, okay. everything else is just improved compute. Okay. Because we, we jump the multiple tokens. Do you have any idea of your dictionary size when you have when you use this tree data structure? Yeah. Because the, the typical tokenizer is like 80,000 tokens, <laughs> dictionary size. I presume yours will be bigger. Yeah, it's around, I can't remember offhand. Our, our previous tokenizer is around 50,000. Is the new X tokenizer? Then subsequently, I believe this is around the same size. It's not bad. Yeah, pretty good. We we didn't want to change too much on that size, but we just wanted to like just change the format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, cool. I actually kind of want to establish the credentials of this thing. So, who is Blink? <laughs> <laughs> is it Rando on the internet or like because again, never heard of this guy until Bobbing, he published. Yeah. This is real name, <laughs> right? And you had like I have this paper to work with, but it was only published in May. Yeah. You found this before the paper. And, and so I think it's very unusual for a researcher to effectively launch to the, to the wider public without a paper and just get some kind of pretty decent community going and then publish the paper. I, I think like a few years back, once uh, with GPT-2, Transformers started to pick up steam. Mm-hmm. And I guess the whole world is starting to think, let's just abandon neural networks. So, so we haven't even gone into the code part, but like, like so the, the main reason why neural networks were bad compared to transformer was that when you, when you train a, let's say you just input a token and train a token for, for data sample, you have to wait for the compute to finish for that token, take the state, and then you train the next token. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into how RWK resolves that. Uh, and, but basically the whole world at that point just concluded, yeah, neural networks, it cannot scale as well as transformer, let's just abandon it. <laughs> and, and everyone just went in that direction. And Blink, or Bopeng, it is actual name, decided basically as an individual, literally at the Eluter AI forum, decided that, hey, I think we can modify recurrent neural networks, no, neural networks, based on the Apple paper, the, 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 the light attention that I showed previously, to make to scale this up without, to make neural networks scalable and parallelizable in the same way transformers work. Because the reason why we branch away and focus on transformers is because neural networks were slow to train. It was never, I mean, it wasn't so much about whether it was good or bad. It was just, no one wants to wait a hundred years for for their billion tokens to train finish, even if they can throw a GPU farm at it. Mm -hmm. And... And that's where he started taking, looking into it, like how to make the neural networks trainable in parallel. And, and specifically RNNs. Yes. Okay. And subsequently, with the AI, and, and I believe there was also a few others, like because he was doing it very publicly there, came on board to sponsor 
and the, the GPU computes required. Because even though it, I mentioned that on large context size, it is substantially cheaper. I think, I think especially if you if you run an open source Discord forum for an AI model, that every it's like every day there'll be someone who thinks that they can train a twenty D model on a single GPU coming in. <laughs> it's, the scale is still large, even though it's like one fifth of one ten compared to transformer. It still needs a lot of GPU. So so that's where Uta AI and and the rest stability I believe also is involved stepped up and donated the A100s needed to train the basic models that RWKB had. And, and, and then, so before that, before those models were trained, right, we were like only having in theory like the toy models or the small models that this can match Transformer. We have no idea whether it can match Transformer at that scale. Yeah. yeah. And subsequently with the larger models, the 14D models and all that, that is, and we can compare it directly with new X model and that's where this paper came out. So, so that's the history behind it. It's like he wasn't really doing it in silence. He was doing it from Eluta. Then he branched out. Because this became a big project on its own. Mm. And that's where other people started coming in as well. So, so the part where we say that RWKB is a neural network that can be scaled up, can be rolled out as a transformer, right? Yep. The, the key thing that you, want to, you would want to see, right, is this diagram here. This should be in the paper. No, sorry. Yeah, the other one. Yeah. Accordingly. So what what you get? So when you do when inference, when you are running inference mode, ideally you should run it as a neural network. So this this is a layer. So it, as per so classic neural networks is that you have a state. The state could be start from blank. You you process a token, you upward a state, and then you rinse and repeat, and then. As, as it keeps doing the output, it, it makes a prediction in, in, in that. One thing that, uh, so subsequently for RWKB, what happens here, right, is that the, we can roll out this neural network side by side, and then it, it runs similar to transformer. But the key thing here is that the states are split across the layer. So this is what we call, in this diagram here specifically, this is what we call the timings and channel mix. These are operations within the layer. Depending on how long you view it, you could view this as individual layers, or that's how we review like this collection of layers as one layer block. And each layer block passes the states to its sibling subsequently down the road as you process the next token. Which is a similar RNN type Correct. feature. However, the key thing is it, you do not need to wait for the upper layers to complete right. before you can go to the next token. Mm -hmm. So what happens in practice, and if I were to jump to the diagram, like there's this graphic here. This is not 100% how it runs behind the scene. I like it. Yeah. Okay. Whoever, whoever put time into this, uh, kudos. I made it. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 so this is how you can visualize it. So this, the first layer is the layer norm. The layer norm doesn't, this is standard layer normalization that it doesn't need to, it just do, doesn't need token and doesn't need to wait for the other layers. But if you notice, right, subsequently to the right and to the top, these tokens, these blocks, right, need to wait for the blocks on the left. And, and this is like, once you go past the first few tokens, right, this cascades very rapidly. Especially, like this is only like one, two, three, four layers. Most models have like 20, 40 plus layers and, and the cascading patterns are happening. And in practice, once you start cascading there, you just saturate the GPU. And that's how it starts being parallelizable train. You no longer need to train in slices like traditional RNNs. That was one of the key things. 
what else is the key thing? Other th- so other things is that so I think you're familiar with LSTM, right? Uh, this is this is how like traditional neural networks keeps things within memories. Within mm-hmm. RLKV, we have two channels. We call it the channel mix and the time mix, respectively. Uh, in, in, is there a formal definition of channel mix and time mix? Yeah, you can see the data from the respective time mix and channel mix move to the next, uh, to the next segment. How time mix is designed per se was that it, it's how it retains, similar to LSTMs, right? Where where it processes state and the input, it may decide to discard certain states and keep new things in the state. Time mix does the same thing but with a different formula, so it replaces the LSTM mm-hmm. in a sense, mm-hmm. and and it can decide to keep things indefinitely. So this represents a long-term memories if you want to view it that way. But classically, the problem with that is that it struggles with long distance. Correct. Does it have the same issue? So that's, it's, that's subsequent. It struggles with long distance because it also needs to keep track of both near-term memory and long-term memory. So you split it up. Yeah, effectively split up. So channel mix is subsequent. The perf- is this the perfect memory? Yeah, this is the closer to the perfect memory than is the short term. So, so uh, LS, time mix, it, it has trainable weights on what it decides to keep and discard. Okay. Channel mix, it has a very strong bias in it towards like just the next token. So, so, you, so, so subsequently, it will just like, as uh, like memories are stored in the lower layers, it just slowly shifts upwards through the channel mix. And this is the short-term memory, mm-hmm. which at some point, as it just shifts all the way up, it will just disappear into mm-hmm. the void. Mm-hmm. At that point, subsequently, then time mix will should be retaining the longer term memory. So we took a break for a bit, but now we're trying to cover like what is the big aha moment for you? And you said it was something to do with cost. Correct. So we have this chart on screen. There's literally a chart of quadratic scaling versus linear scaling <laughs> in terms of GPU time spent in text generation. And you said it was at training time and at inference time, they're just basically in everything that matters. Right. So, so I mean, so look back to how RNN works in from a high level. We do an O1 operation on a token, create a state. O1 operation, create a state. Yeah. So, so this just scales linearly. You want to throw a thousand tokens at it? It just for, on inference, it just scales linearly. Subsequently, for transformers, it you you take in a token, you you. You you inf- you process your first token. It may be O1 here. Subsequently, when you generate your third token, you need to compute your second and first, and then vice versa. So if you do your one thousand token, you need to compute back your nine hundred ninety nine previous tokens. And as this keeps growing, and growing, this is your quadratic scaling, and this is why why we had the, we had this graph of the amount of G- cumulative GPU time that you need to spend to generate all these tokens respectively, mm-hmm. and this is fundamentally just transformer versus neural networks. Yeah, on inference. The reason why, and, and subsequently, like, neural networks did have the disadvantage of, let's say, not being able to paralyze well in training. But as I, as I covered, RWKV kind of solved that by splitting, effectively splitting the layers, allowing you to train different parts in parallel. And like, some people will go into the academic debate of like, technically, the second and third token is not paralyzable until the first is done. But... Once you get into like, I can saturate a GPU land, yeah. it's just it's way better. It's, it's just economic, maybe we are done. And so training in essence has always, I mean, this is big for transformer on your network is I need to do an inference pass. I look at the logits. I then I backprop to see what went wrong and I update the weights. Yeah. So 
the inference is the forward pass, you still need to, it's part of the training course. As you backprop as well, as you backprop as well, like having need to only look at the current cell tokens and the state instead of like everything also reduce the amount of things that you need to backprop. So it's just that, it's like there's so many factors involved in just reducing the overall inference and training time. And that was something that appealed to me because in the long run, I mean, all of us want our model to just run blazingly fast, right? Yeah. And also on minimal hardware. Oh, yes. Uh, which, as far as I understand, you still have 14 billion parameters. That's not going away. You still need the, the RAM to store 14 billion parameters worth of stuff. That's not going away. Yep. Okay. So RAM is unchanged. Yeah, on the RAM side, but the working memory is reduced. So typically, you need more than 14 for transformer. I mean, let's not, let's not touch quantization, mm -hmm. but in this case, we don't need to keep, like if you really, really want to like save RAM, you, it is possible for you to do token by token inference so that you don't need to keep your states in history. You okay. need, need to keep your current token state and your next. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, and, and that's actually like one segment of our community is just purely <laughs> porting other activity to C++ based model. Or in the next. Yeah, and running it on Pies and stuff. <laughs> Raspberry Pies. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to watch. Those. There's a chart about performance and it shows that RWKB is competitive or, or actually better in some of the reasoning challenges, which that's something I definitely would look for, right? Like, and it's, it's fine if like your, your speed is faster and all that, but if the reasoning quality sucks, then it's not a very useful language model. Exactly. So... So this is like literally us saying there's no trade-offs. Yeah, you don't lose out in that process. Okay. Big question then. Why isn't RWKV a bigger deal right now? So, <laughs> one, we are not a commercial organization. Okay. This is literally the pure open source play. So, But you could have done the stable diffusion thing. Which, you know, stable diffusion launched. It was by a bunch of nobodies before that. Mm -hmm. It's from like literally split out from Luther, and but they definitely had some hype. They had, they definitely like you know I, I interviewed Sharif Shamim. The, the reason I ask you so many things about how did you find out it out because I think the the generalizable skill is how to be early in AI. Ah, because being early in AI is very valuable because then you were there to see how things developed instead of like picking it up later like me. Anyway, so, yeah, why is it not a big deal? <laughs> you want me to be frank? Yeah. We just suck at marketing. Okay. That's but, fine. I mean... Uh, this is part of it. Yeah, this is part of it. Yeah. Like, so, like, maybe... But I don't think that is entirely the cause. Yeah, I'm sure, definitely. I think the other major segment right now as well is that, is that we were really late on the paper. Okay. Like, one of the weirdest things right now it's, I, 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 weirdest thing right now I feel that is that RWKB is starting to have its moment right now Okay, is that ever since that initial paper came out there was ResNet there's uh, I think there's two more there's a few more additional papers coming out one from Microsoft one, one from other organizations that are literally exploring the whole idea once again of scalable neural networks Okay, and they are citing RWKB as part of it as well okay. and and I think for most Almost like I think it's existingly, why switch to this model when even though we have proven that yes, it's scalable to 7 and 14 and that it can match transformers at similar param and training size, but all this is very academic because the, co the, the community, right, 
the the community at large, especially for the English speaking community, right? They don't really care about this. They care about what's the best model that I can run on my computer, at least within the open source space. And by that, and even though we match in performance for things in the same data set, the keyword is same data set. Like this benchmark is not it's not even red pajamas yet. It's it's the power. Mm-hmm. And and when you have models that are like be like Falcon being trained on much larger data set, mm-hmm. especially for an English use case, it makes more sense to use that. I see. So there there will be another paper coming that is RWKV trained on red pajama. And that will presumably larger, larger data set, yeah, okay. and so on and so forth. So, so I think that's the we are still in the stages of reaching that point where we train on the larger data set. Yeah. The only reason why we have a bigger outsized impact compared to like the other models is frankly because half of our Discord came in not for English, it's for other languages. Yeah, that's great, and there is a definite very US and English centric bias towards uh, these models, and and it's it's. To me, kind of poetic. Like, there's nothing in in the architecture of RDKV that particularly biases it to be really good at other languages. No, it's just that as a community, you decided to prioritize it yeah. in your tokenization in your data sets. That's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I I I would even argue that I'm surprised, more surprised that especially on on the European side of things, that we don't have more 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 models that actually focus on even the European languages because that is like a soft, softer jump to character yeah. Japanese and Chinese right, characters. Because they're all romantic. But I think back to the benchmark, what excites me most still about this is that it just means that we just need to scale. We just need to scale this model and with the right data. To like 40B? 40B, 60B. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, params is one thing, it's data sense. <laughs> Okay. And GPU time. Yeah. So you and I are talk offline about ideas for getting data, getting compute, mm. and all this. Okay. So this is like a project that's that's on, is ongoing. Okay. Anything else for the future of RDKV? And the biggest one would be okay. So this is back to how remember I said evals doesn't hide or doesn't highlight everything. Being realistic on another weakness on RDKV side is that now with the rise of like let's say hundred K. Or 32k context size windows trans- transformer model. RWKV currently is trained to handle, let's say, eight, or even some people have already trained it to 16k yeah. sizes. It has, and well, it will, as a neural network, it will happily keep going on for infinite context length. It will just keep generating. Does it do well? That's the, the, the answer is no, because if it, you didn't train it to handle that situation, and there's actually a chart. So, for example, if like, the prediction, the, the power test loss, right? It does improve over time, let's say, if we go down the context line. But this is if we train it. And what is not seen here is that if we were to do, do let's say, run it further, it'll just go back up. Because it was not trained to handle that. Well, it technically can run. It, it suffers from the longer context line. And that, that's the part where other KV, especially in like Q&A tasks, in huge documents, yeah. You get Claudia to summarize giant documents. None of this is fundamental. It's just you need more money. Yeah. That's it. And, and no, there is actually a fundamental part. So what, what one of the things that I was doing, and I'm actively helping within the community right now, is that we found that the existing way to scale the memory was not that efficient. And we were just being realistic on ourselves. If we want to hit 100K, we need to change this. 
So, so one thing one thing that I'm actually looking forward to right now is actually those experiments. We have already we have already started scaling scaling things to be able to to handle things at transformer scale, be it the 4K, 8K, in terms of like how it handles memory really well. And we want and we found it we want to like extend it to be like 16, 32, and 64. And we, we that is within our roadmap. And that's the exciting thing because once we have that, like it able to handle long-term memory within those sizes, it removed what many people in the community felt right was the last architecture limit. Mm. Because once it's able to handle memories like context length with the same as transformer, we no longer need to do all the, like you know how existingly like people do like long conversation in transformer, they just discard the rest and the sliding window. This is like the better version of sliding window you have the model can handle the sliding window perfectly, where it can keep remnants behind it. Sure. And that's something that I'm really excited and invested towards because this is back to the full circle of what, how I came into RWKE. I want my model to handle 100k tokens, 4 megabytes of HTML, whatever I throw at it, and be able to process it. But it'll be, it'll be lossy. The, the later half will be lossy, but the key thing is extending the non-lossy part and we are aiming to extend the non-lossy part so you know you have displayed today an impressive amount of knowledge just across the you know all this stuff and you're you don't have like a research background your advice to ai engineers getting as deep as you who want to get as deep as you so i think your article articulated very well that there are there's going to be divisions within how we approach this so AI engineers, model trainers, and data set curators, and ML scientists. So I'll loosely, loosely define as a tree. I ignore the full stack because every company needs it. So within this tree space, there is actually a lot of ways anyone can come in without knowing anything. So let's just start with AI engineers. Don't be like, even though this, this whole topic, we even dived into how the layers work. We also showed how the math works. Frankly, for an AI engineer, yeah, you don't need it. Do your, your, main th your main thing that you needed to do was to, frankly, just play around with ChatGPT or all the alternatives, be aware of the alternatives, just be very mercenary, swap out to Claudia if it's better for you, or swap out to an open source if it's better for you, and just play around the prompts. Learn, learn bad prompting techniques like one shot, two shot, few shots, and, and then from there on, you can start building your agents, stacking, stacking your prompts, and in sequences and stuff like that, and you are able to build applications that do any, anything in, in terms of the AI space. And all this without knowing all this nerdy stuff, with all the en hard engineering, because that's all you really need to actually build a product for the user. Remember, you are supposed to focus on making it for the user. They don't care if it's RWKV or Transformer underneath the hood. They just care that it helps them. And... And I would say like Notion probably is like probably one good example of how they use it because we know underneath the hood is OpenAI, but it's you really use it's good yeah. yeah. No, but so I obviously agree with all that. Let's just say that people are there already and they're just curious. They they want to do what you did. Oh, so, so that's where you start going down the layers. Yes. So the the next layer, the next layer you go down in is is subsequently training the model from scratch, fine-tuning, and encouraging the data set. And this is, this, this, is from, this is where you still do not need to know the math, but you need to know, like, you need to have a rough sensing on how the model works and how the 
certain models, and in, in this even within the transform, open source transformer space, certain models are better trained in certain sequences with certain learning rates, and you just need to get a few of it. So this is just like, collect the data set, try it, see the loss. And you, you literally did this. Yeah, at least for RWKB and the That's a lot of work. code gen models. Yeah, it's not a cheap work tool because you need GPUs. Okay, and that take that took you how long? I took, I think I code gen alone was like six months, and then this RWKB I've been doing this for like another six months, okay. and and that is the, it's just pure experimentation, like there's no right or wrong because like, especially if it's in a different domain yeah. like. Like recently, I was like helping someone on the RWT Discord regarding the music music generation domain, and my assumptions for learning rate and all the patterns right were just completely thrown out the window because the music model just fundamentally is different mm-hmm. in in those sense. So that is the the exciting thing is because it doesn't really have any specific rules and guidelines until you get until you trial and error to a certain space. It also means that you coming in is as fresh as anyone else coming in last year. It's really that kind of uncharted space for, uh, for everyone. And, and especially as you start exploring to new domains, your existing, your existing knowledge may actually matter. Because sometimes, like, I mean, I think a few papers already covered this, that's like how you train your model in certain sequences also matter. Like you want to train a certain set of knowledge and then, and then you extend that knowledge subsequently. If you're talking about material science or genetics, how am I supposed to know what is foundational knowledge and what is extended knowledge? I have no idea. Maybe you do. Um, I'm just picking an example. Yeah. So and the same thing for music and so on. So those are things where even though you're outside the space, is where you can come in just at the data set level. Now you want to peel off to the next layer. Let's just say, let's just say you want to look into modifying the model, the 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 the, the foundations of it. I think one of the beauties about the, this current boom is that even though I did my toes early, like before the transformer wave and into the early neural network phase, frankly, almost everything that is that matters was basically in the past four years. Like there were a lot of things that be in academics that were before that, and you know, and they were mostly dealing with models that were under a billion parameters. They pretty much no longer matter. And can you be more specific? Like, okay, I know I'm shooting myself in the foot because are there carriers in your network? But if you're just trying to get transformers to work, you don't need to know LSTM. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. You don't need, yeah, there's a lot of like pre-knowledge in neural networks that is irrelevant in the transformer era. And maybe some of it will have a resurgence, but to get up and running is not a requirement. And... I think this is where you could either go the very academic way of reading papers and stuff, but frankly, what I found was way more useful was Akabati. Yeah. His series of videos. The series of Hero. Yeah. yeah, that is really, really good. I think even if I even though I read some of the read some of the papers and guides before that, it really helps that it starts from zero because you can see how it happens part by part. And and even though we will not use how the exact same code that he used because like he re-implemented the back prop and all that and we are just gonna to use torch for that. Yeah. That that that's where you get the aha moments on how these building blocks work and how it fall into place. And like 
like I had fundamental misunderstanding of how backprop worked until I actually watched this video. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And, and I think that's the scariest and craziest thing about AI models sometimes is that you can actually have fundamental misunderstandings, but as long as you make the building blocks <laughs> and it connect and, okay, loss is great. It works. <laughs> and yeah. Well, so, you know, even the gods of the industry, you know, I don't know if you read the Swigulu paper. So there's these like, there's all alternative activation functions. Like mm -hmm. there's ReLU and then there are People are always looking for different slopes. And very famously, the Swiglu paper had this line in there that was like, yeah, we don't know why this works, but it works. <laughs> Can't explain it. Yeah, it literally <laughs> happens uh, here and there. You know, I'll just got to. One, one of the funny things that, that I'm doing right now in our KVE 5 experiments is that, okay, we are going to do this change where we're going to run this train. Make your prediction. <laughs> Will this model beat this model in this loss curve? As a game, as a betting, it's game. a very informal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 literally a body kind of like right, right, right. kind yeah, of bet, yeah. but yeah. but it, 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 the fact that the fact that we can do this kind of bets, even though we like understand the code, it's like it just goes to show like how often like oh wait this didn't go what we predicted yeah. no one and 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 that's why that's why even if let's say you don't have a PhD or so on and so forth right heck. Even if math is not your specialization, you're coming in as a developer. I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna say frankly, like I didn't come from the research right now. The extremely math heavy stuff is what I struggle with. Mm. My, uh, so what I do sometimes is I copy and paste the math into GPT-4 and ask it to explain to me. In, in, Which in, is good. In plainer language. It's very good at that. So yeah. That's fine. Yeah. And so, but the thing is, there is lots of value at beyond that. One thing that I realized, and this is not specific to RWKV, this this also happen, happens across a lot of open source models, is that a lot of ML scientists, when they when they really build this stuff, the focus was more of like always get it to work. It was never about getting it to work efficiently or getting the code documented or organized. Mm. And stable diffusion literally went through this whole journey. They had the giant they had the code and the model that worked mm -hmm. and the community just started and and Engineers that came in with zero machine learning background started picking it apart. It's like, no, this, this, you could replace this with this that does this exact same thing, but it's more efficient. Like, one of the major breakthroughs, for example, for, for GGML, recent, and this happened, happened sometime back for a bit, Lama models and all that, was that one, someone external from the AI committee went in and implemented memory mapping. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. I forget her name, but yeah. Just, yeah. Justine.law is her URL. Yeah. And her, she didn't come in as an AI expert. She came in as a software engineer. Yeah. And these are all just very, very straightforward. You know, in her world, this is this is normal. Whereas for the researchers, they will be like, I don't want to... Wait, what is memory map? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and there are a lot of things like... Like, one of the jokes that I have right now is that every month there is a research ML scientist that is rediscovering the number 32. Why? Because a uh, bit like or someone in the committee writing the inference code because GPUs, especially especially CUDA NVIDIA GPUs, tends to work really well when they align to the batch size of multiples of thirty two. Oh. And if you've been in the gaming industry, especially when you write shader code, right? This is like, like well known, like just <laughs> just given knowledge, and and and. And people are just constantly rediscovering, oh, maybe if I just adjust my data set or my data size to, to fit this batch size, 
suddenly I get 10% improvement. And, and yeah, and then it's like, these are things that, once again, because they were so focused on just making it work, that they won't know outside the space. And that's why I would say, right, if anything, right, now is the best time if that you don't know AI to have people from different backgrounds come in because your contribution could be from data set level, how to train the knowledge, to shader code, to hack, how to memory map, how to cache data. There's so many gaps. Cool, great. So yeah, thanks so much for being very willing to get on and talk with no prep. Well, yeah. we, we did some prep, but it's a very unusual podcast episode, but I really enjoyed it. And we literally just met yesterday yeah. in Singapore. Well, but I know you've been on the Discord for a while, and <laughs> I, I could tell you like, you're very serious about all this. I think it's very unusual for, for someone, like you have a job, but, but this is like a second job, essentially. <laughs> yes. you know? But you are really enthusiastic and passionate about it, and I think that's very rare, and I, I do want to encourage more people to to do it and uh, so thanks for sharing yeah hi thanks for having me here